Here's what's coming up on this week's show. My eyeballs are sweating. <laughs> is that is that real? Oh, I'm telling you, it's real right here. Surely that's just crying, isn't it? I don't know what's going on. <laughs> the beat. Welcome to the Big Little Business Show, the podcast that helps small business think big. Hey, hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Big Little Business Show. It's Paul Mumford over here, the lovely Claire Horsley over there. Before we go any further, um, before we start moaning about how hot it is in our respective office stroke studios, which we will come on to. So anyway, before we go there, whether you're here for the first time or you've listened to us before, uh, do us a favor. Make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button so you get future episodes into your phone device and leave us uh, a review and leave us your comments too. Get in touch. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. Let us know what you'd like us to cover in future episodes. And we'll let you know all the details at the end about how you can do that. It's hot, isn't it? So hot. My eyeballs are sweating. We're, uh, so my <laughs> studio is in the... Uh, roof of my house uh, with a tiny little skylight which means it's super warm in here and, but I don't think it matters where you are it's just super warm everywhere today it is but I don't, I don't want to moan because it is really really lovely but it's that kind of weather that you need to sit and do nothing outside <laughs> Claire we're British we, we, it doesn't matter what the weather's like we're going to moan about it yeah well I'm, I'm, I'm okay I'm not going to call it moaning I'm literally it's an observation that I'm sweating a lot. Nice. Uh, okay, so now we've painted that beautiful picture of Claire. Uh, <laughs> let's go on to this week's topic, which I think is going to be an interesting one today. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this, even though I am warm. Very much. An interesting topic about uh, the power of events and the importance and significance of understanding what qualities you need to be a keynote speaker. Yeah, as the world is starting to open up now at the time of recording this, uh, people might be thinking about actual events where you actually go and sit in front of an audience of real live people but at the same time virtual events have been going on right the way through the last 16 17 months or so which is an a very very different skill to have as a public speaker uh, but an equally important one and you could still earn money being a keynote speaker yeah. and you can still earn money yeah it's easy for me to say and you can still earn money being a keynote speaker, whether you're in front of a live audience or in front of a virtual one. Yeah, I, th I really, truly believe that 18 months ago, if we were talking about online events, there'd be a lot of, um, you know, a lot of trepidation, a lot of questions about whether it would work or not. But I guess, you know, as we've been forced into this situation, a lot of people are thinking about online events are they here to stay should we just go back to face-to-face -face events or this word hybrid keeps on coming up which is really interesting so a lot of people are favoring maybe one more than the other but both have their own advantages and, and disadvantages so we have already done an episode like this before way way back in just over a year ago our very first episode was how to deliver a presentation with gavin inskip who's a, a warm-up guy for tv shows but today we're looking at a similar situation but from a very different angle aren't we so we're going to be looking at what qualities you need to have to become a keynote speaker and we'll be hearing from somebody who who actually books keynote speakers yeah helen mitchell is an event planner she puts on conferences small business conferences bigger business conferences as a result she has to book a lot of speakers and keynote speakers so it'll be interesting to find out what she looks for in a keynote speaker this is the big little business show what actually is a keynote speaker? A keynote speaker is someone who um, gives an address to an audience 
and broadly they bring together whatever the conference the event is about they bring that to mind they talk on the theme of the overall conference event so you yeah i mean you're normally in, a, in an event you'd have other speakers and then one at the end so you, your keynote speaker i guess is kind of like your top of the bill isn't it it's a top of the bill and it's an opening speaker and and you know you do have events where you have more than one keynote speaker for this purpose let's just talk about the opening person for the conference the event the lecture whatever it is that you're interested in doing it would be the keynote speaker would give their address and as i said it has to be um, on the overall theme. So it's never necessarily just focused in on one area. They give the, the flavor of the event. That's what their job is, to give you a flavor of the event and talking to the audience broadly. Sure. So why, uh, why is this such a big deal then, becoming a keynote speaker? Because you're opening an event. And if you're opening an event, you need to make a bang. You need to be inspiring. You need to have some form of originality. You need to engage the audience. You're the one that actually sets the tone for the overall event. Okay, so when um, you have looking at agenda and you're attending an event, so there's uh, speakers um, and then it'll be listed as a keynote speaker. Why, why do you think it's so important to have a keynote speaker at events, you know, ultimately, what impact does that make? You know, it's, it depends, doesn't it? I mean, if you're, if, if I was looking for a, a keynote speaker for, let's say I was looking for a, a keynote speaker for a conference, I would want that um, keynote speaker to be dazzling. And I don't mean only dazzling in terms of what they look like, but dazzling in terms of what they have to say, something authentic, um, someone who can engage the audience and not just um, bog standard audience who's interested in whatever that topic may be, but broader than that, someone who can inspire the uninspired. A lot of keynote speakers um, are often celebrities or people in a public eye already. Those who are not in a public eye usually have a story to tell, um, usually have a journey that's different than someone else and have applied it to some form of business. And if you're going in as a keynote speaker, I would expect that you'd want to have a bit of a broader, broader appeal than just um, only for maybe athletes. You find a lot of keynote speakers who are athletes, but there are also um, keynote speakers who are in the business world and talk about how, you know, their business was a failing business. And then suddenly they did one, two, three, four, and suddenly it's amazing business and earning, you know, and they're now earning millions. What is their story? What was their journey? Why was that so interesting? And how can other people relate to it and maybe emulate it? So the idea being that really that is to entice the audience in so they want they can hear something that is relatable to them. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Relatable to them and also someone that they could they wouldn't necessarily have an opportunity to be in the same space of. Because a lot of keynote speakers will also be available during a break time so people can get access to them. So it's a networking opportunity. So you can, for instance, if I was looking for a keynote speaker for, I'm, I'm currently working at the Royal College of Psychiatry. So if I was looking for a keynote speaker for that, I would want someone who is not necessarily a psychiatrist, but maybe have had um, in their walk of life, they've had experience with psychiatrists and they can talk about a journey, a story, 
in that world that's inspiring that's a good point you've made there because you mentioned that you're already you're you're booking keynote speakers at the moment for a conference that you're putting together so how do you do that how what kind of criteria do you look for when you're trying to find a keynote speaker and how do you find them in the first place um it's so many different different avenues you can go to an agency there are loads of agencies out there i don't actually like going to agency i like recommendation Mm. um i would usually look at a similar type of event that's taken place before and look at who they've had maybe not as a keynote speaker but someone that they might have had a speaker who i felt was really interesting and engaging and had a nice clear open personality and character that i feel could deliver a keynote address So it doesn't need to be someone who's already um, doing keynotes, um, speaking already and keynote addresses. I also look at people's stories. So if, for instance, Paul, you may recommend someone to me, then I'll go and look them up. I might look them up on their website if they have one, or I may go to their LinkedIn um, profile. Hopefully there's some um, videos and I like to see the shorter versions as well as the longer versions, because sometimes they give you only the short clips of when they were absolutely fabulous in that two minutes. But then when you want to hear them speak for 20 minutes, they flounder and it becomes quite boring. Uh, that's a good point. I never even thought about it that way. So, yeah, you want their sort of their best bits, like their showreel almost. But at the same time, you want to see a whole thing because you want to see what you're going to get, don't you? Yeah, 100 percent. Because, you know, I can be amazingly funny for two minutes. You know, clear. can you? Should we test it? Oh, I was going to say, go, go for it. No, don't do that. Don't do that. But I probably could. I could probably come up with some material. Claire could probably come up with some material for all of 10 minutes. Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, but you know, we can all do we can 10 all seconds, make an, an impact for a short space of time. But when we're asking someone to come in and talk for 20 minutes, that's a long time. That's a long time to hold an audience. And it, when it's live, it's a little bit easier to hold the audience because. Um, in terms of the way you carry yourself, how you're dressed, what you look like. If you're a good looking person, that's even easier. But, you know, you have all of that. When you're talking about um, a keynote address online and looking at someone who's delivering online, you don't have the the clothing to go with it. You don't have the the expressions that you have when you open up your arms and you're speaking you, and your arms fly out. We don't see any of that. We could put a pin in that, Helen, because I do, uh, that's something we need to come back to because obviously the world has changed over the last 18 months. And as far as being a keynote speaker is concerned, yeah, that's changed big time too. So, yeah, we're, we're definitely pinning that. We'll come back to that, definitely. Yeah. So, no, so I'm looking for interesting people, first and foremost, interesting stories and those who can actually deliver those stories. We can talk about having unique stories, but most stories are not unique. There's, you know, someone else has had that same experience. It's just how, how have they overcome that? What have they done that's differently? You know, what's their outlook? How are they, um, how are they living that life? Yeah. So um, in terms of the events maybe that you've worked on, do you think it's absolutely vital that every event has a keynote speaker? Um, Do you always, without, you know, without fail, ensure that you have a keynote speaker or do some events not? Do you not require one, do you think? I prefer keynote speakers because you know what why they're there. You know, you often have um, the director or a CEO of a company who will want to do the welcome and the opening address, and they're very different. And I, th- I feel for me personally, it's okay for a director, CEO, or even um, head of the department, whichever, who's ever putting the event on, to do a welcome but a keynote speaker just gives it that gravitas that you don't get. 
just that added flavour to the event. So I would always prefer to have a keynote speaker. I would guess um, the other thing that you would do once you've established who your keynote speaker is, is, or, or even when you're looking for someone to be a keynote speaker, you're thinking about someone that you can market your event on the basis of, I guess, too. So uh, you'll want someone who your audience, whoever's going to be at that conference, uh, is going to relate to and going to want to come and see. Yes, definitely. And it's not only just about... Um, marketing your your company just on based on their name. For instance, we talked about you know um, sports celebrities or even um, people in the business world who are known. Elon Musk, I just saw um, he's he does a number of key, keynote addresses and he's amazing at them. And it's and yes, you can market on someone like that and a sports athlete who's known, but also marketing based on the story. What are they going to tell you that's different? How, are, how can they engage your audience? How can you market to them just on their experience alone or their knowledge? And what is it about their knowledge that is different? And how am I going to learn from that person as the audience? So you've got to look at it from so many different ang um, angles. You look at it as the conference producer and what it can do for the conference. But more importantly, you've got to look at it from the audience perspective on why would I come to, to this event and listen to this person? Why am I going to get up an extra 15 minutes earlier so that I can be around for this person and not go to you know, Starbucks or wherever to get my coffee and just come in when the actual event starts with the first, first lecture or workshop or whatever? So it's always important to consider the audience and what they're going to benefit, how they're going to benefit. In your experience, have you ever had any situations where you've seen a keynote speaker maybe not deliver or perform in the way that uh, you maybe had expected them to? Are there any particular maybe mistakes that you've seen keynote speakers make in the past? I'll tell you one of the, the worst keynote speakers, and, and it's not about mistakes. It's when you're given a keynote address, more, more times than not, you've been given that that same address 100 times, you know, 50 times. And the mistake that they make is that they don't come with that same passion of the first time they gave it. And you can always tell when a, a keynote address is tired and when the person who's actually delivering it is no longer interested and no longer excited about what it is they're saying. And there may be a bit of acting in that because how often can you keep giving the same address and and um, and still be exhilarated by it and have that same amount of passion? And that's where I suppose you become a bit of a performer. A keynote um, address uh, person is a performer. And you've got to bring that each and every time. You cannot just rest on your laurels and think, well, I've got a great story and I can just say it and people will be engaged. You don't. You're you're. It's not only your story, it's you selling your story. So if you're not excited about it, then why should anyone else be? Yeah, that's very true, actually. And I guess um, that's why it's important to see them in action before you book them, really, isn't it? So yeah. for, we're thinking from a perspective of someone who might be listening to this right now thinking, I fancy being a keynote speaker. I can see 
value in doing this. So we've already established that you're looking, you look at video, you like to see a short one, you'd like to see a long one. Um, is there anything else that you, you like to be able to look out for? Do you want, I mean, would you even ask for anything up front as a, almost like a added information so you're confident that you're booking the right person for the job? Yeah, I'm, I, I like to have conversations with them because, you know, just like a CV, you can lie on it and you can sound way more exciting than you are on paper. But when you actually get to meet with them, um, be it face to face or, you know, as as we are of late online, I get a sense of who you are from how you interact with me. So that really helps me is is to pinpoint are you who you say you are yeah that's really important isn't it and and i might get obviously a lot easier to do now than it would have been a couple of years ago it's easy to book a little bit of a call beforehand to get sort of get an idea of a sense of what that person's all about and just jump on zoom because otherwise if you're reading it from a cv it's just words isn't it it's, it's kind of empty words yeah. without any potentially maybe this sounds a bit cruel but bit substance behind it but if you actually talk to someone you can get a feel for their energy you do, and yeah, and when it comes to a keynote uh, keynote speaker, the energy is so so important. I feel that I'm really good at deciphering who you really are. I get that when I get to have a conversation with you. I'm 100% prefer it face to face. But of course, before um, Zoom was all was all the frenzy, we'd just have a phone conversation, and even on phone conversation, you know, the voice is very powerful, and and you get a sense of who that person is. If I couldn't do the fa- if I couldn't do the face to face, it would be a telephone conversation, and then it might not be a full length um, keynote. I might just get them in as a speaker first, and then elevate afterwards. It just depends whether I get that feel that yes, this person could deliver what I need them to deliver in the way I need them to deliver it. I guess the longer you do this and book uh, people, the easier it becomes because you can tell within the first. 30 seconds of meeting someone whether they're going to be a good on stage or on a zoom call or, or however you do it and, and then be able to captivate an audience and deliver exactly what you need them to do and obviously we know the world's changed now your event planning world has changed because you're now planning virtual events so therefore you're booking virtual speakers so therefore from the angle of someone who wants to become a speaker they've got to think about a whole bunch of different things they'd never had to consider before, don't they? Oh, gosh, yes. And do you know what's quite interesting, I, I think, for the virtual world? And I, and I do worry about, about this. And, you know, thinking about those who are looking to go into this market now and they may feel, oh, it's on Zoom and, and yeah, I can hold an audience whilst I'm on Zoom and it's a lot easier. Actually, I think live is easier holding the attention of someone online is harder because you don't have, when you're, when you're at an event, they've come to see you. They're, that's why they're there. When it's online, you never know how distracted someone can be and what, what's going on in their space in the background. If you're on Zoom webinar, it's as if you're on TV. So again, you have no clue if they're paying attention to you or they're doing a cleaning in behind you or, you know, chatting, chatting to some friends or whatever. You don't have any idea what's going on. So how do you judge how successful you were and how you engaged you are? It's very difficult. If it's a Zoom meetings where you actually see people online, 
a lot of people like to just shut off their camera because again, you don't know whether they're paying attention or not, or they're just listening intently offline, but don't want you to see them. And those who are looking at you, where, where, where are you having eye contact? You know, if it's a live audience, you can get eye contact with someone, not the same person, but you have different ways of engaging. I've had that before where someone just just fixed their eyes on me because obviously I looked interesting and or interested in what they were saying. And I just found found it really uncomfortable in the end. And I kept on putting my head down. That could be a bit freaky. Yeah, you've got to be careful. So you don't have that when it's when you're online, because there's no way of gauging whether what you're saying is landing or whether you need to readjust what you're saying. Yeah, we talked about this in uh, back in our very first episode. Um, we had uh, a guy on talking about how to deliver a presentation, Gavin Inskip. And Gavin is a, a warm-up guy for TV shows. And he was talking about that vibe that you get when you walk into a room and how you feed off that vibe and you feed off that energy. And that it's that energy that fuels you as you're a speaker, as you're delivering your presentation or doing whatever it is you are doing on stage. But you don't get that so much with Zoom. And I totally agree with you. I think doing it on Zoom is far harder because you don't get the feedback from the audience. Uh, and also, like you were saying earlier on, the audience isn't as invested in that event because they haven't taken the time to travel to the event they're not invested uh, as far as time is concerned to come and see you it's just sitting in their office at home or wherever they happen to be and dialing into zoom yeah 100 people we you know we kind of live in an mtv world we need things really quick and sharp and because a lot of um, events are recorded now there is no there's no urgency to watch and pay attention. You can kind of surface watch and then think, oh, well, I can catch that later. And then how often do you actually go back to the recording and watch it again? Not that often. So, and the reason I'm saying this is that people who are thinking about getting into keynote speaking now, yes, understand the online um, virtual world that we're living in now, but also understand that when we do go back to some form of normality, you are going to need to present yourself in the flesh. And how do you do that? It's it's a different world from online to in front of an audience. Yeah. It's a bit like skiing. I ski. I think everyone should ski before they snowboard. You don't have any, you know, skiing etiquette unless you ski first. And I think with, um, with becoming a keynote speaker, I think it's best to do it live first and then do virtual. Own your skill first. Yeah, I mean, that's a real difficult one, that, because obviously I come from a world where I've done lots of live events in front of people and then gone to Zoom just because of circumstance. I, I wouldn't know whether it would work the other way around. I, I think it's just a very, very different medium. And as a speaker, you have to deal with it and appreciate that it's, it is very different. And there are certain skills that you can do live, which you can't do on zoom and things you can do on zoom that you can't do live. Yeah. I think you can be a little bit more lazier on, um, on zoom or on that form of um, virtual platform. You can be a little bit lazier. You cannot be as lazy face to face because you will die in front of your audience. Whereas on zoom, you, you can, you're kind of shielded from dying in front of an audience. Yeah, I get what you're saying there, Helen, because you can gain so much from the room's energy without any dialogue when you're presenting. But I mean, I use, I'm using my hands now, <laughs> you know, we use our hands to communicate. We, in Zoom, we can only see from the waist up. So it's so hard to read what people are feeling yeah. um, and the direction and what's being well received and maybe what's not as well. Um, do, do you think keynote speakers 
at online events then work? Do you think there's still a place for them, or do you? What would you lend more to lean more towards? The face-to-face events. No, I think there's. I think there's a place for keynote speakers, um, virtual keynote speakers. I think what's what's happening now in terms of the world opening up is that you can probably get a keynote speaker that you probably wouldn't have had, you know, in the face-to-face world that we used to live in, because they're no longer having to travel. You can travel the world and find a keynote speaker and have them present online. I think I'll change the, pla- the the way the platform works in that it needs to be head to shoulder. I would like to see some addresses, um, keynote addresses where people are standing. Oh, I'm totally on board with that. You actually deliver differently when you're standing up, don't you? Yeah, you're standing firm in whatever it is, whatever conviction you have. You're standing firm and you're a little bit more grounded when you're you're standing. I guess that's like almost like the authoritative stance though as well, isn't it? That when you've got one person standing in the room and that's the person that people are going to maybe pay more attention to. You've got the technology now too to be able to um, take a two shot of that live event. So you have a long shot and a close shot so you can have the best of both worlds i guess 100 percent. and with the right i am av company you you can deliver an amazing event that you know captures everything but like for instance if you chose to go to um i don't know to the middle east say to to speak with someone out out there you could have uh you could have that happening as if they're in an auditorium but deliver it as if they're there in the space with you but if you've only got the headshot, what have you got? You've just got someone could be anywhere delivering a, a keynote address. In their pants. Yeah. <laughs> you never know what people are wearing or if they're wearing anything. No, you? you don't. And I and yes, I just want to see full-bodied presentations, even in a virtual world. With trousers on, <laughs> please. Or skirts. Or, or skirts, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people, especially over the last 18 months, have been developing their skills as business owners and maybe trying out things that are new that they haven't done before. Is there such thing as keynote training? Would you suggest that people need to go on any courses or training to be a good keynote speaker? Or do you think it's something that maybe naturally comes to certain people more so than others? Yeah, no, definitely. It comes to there. There is a natural um, keynote speaker. There is a, a natural presenter, someone who's very comfortable in their own skin, someone who's comfortable with what they have to say, and also their knowledge base. But that doesn't mean that you cannot train and give in speeches, basically. Any opportunity you can get to be out there in front of an audience. And it doesn't need, you know, an audience isn't something that needs to be a thousand people. An audience could be five people, it could be 10 people, 20 people. And I think you need to get out of the idea that you need to be talking in front of hundreds of people to be able to give a keynote address. You don't. And as you're um, getting more and more familiar with who you are and how you present best, you take your time and grow your audience and let them go on that journey with you. As I've done quite a lot of this sort of stuff, I would say actually speaking to a large audience versus speaking to a small audience is just as different as speaking in a real event and speaking on Zoom, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it is. It's very different, but it's it's important that you you don't get caught up with numbers. Sure. Because, you know, speaking in front of five people is just as important as speaking in front of 500 people. Oh, absolutely. If not more important. In more important. And that's where you can really hone your skills is in the smaller numbers. And you get your, that's your training base. You don't want to be having your training base in front of 500 people. 
you want the smaller numbers so that you can feel the energy in a room. You can feel how you have changed the energy, how you have um, inspired people. Even if it's those five people, how have you inspired them? Were they engaged from beginning to end of your presentation? When it's 500 people, how do you know? Because out of, of those 500 people, you may still only be speaking to five. It is important to, to train up. And Claire, I, I, I do feel that it's, you can learn. You can learn. There are the naturals, of course. There are the naturals in every area of business, in every area of work. There are naturals. But if you work really hard and have an understanding of who you are, and how you come across, then you can be you can be just as excellent as anyone else. If you're listening to this and thinking, oh, this is something I really need to be doing more of or learning a little bit more about, it's really definitely worth going back and having a listen to that episode with uh, Gavin. In fact, on our episode page on the website, biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk, uh, we'll put a link to that episode uh, as well so you can have a listen to both of them in tandem because it's very useful to understand what Helen wants as a, as a promoter and someone who's putting these events together, but also good to hear from the other side of the coin from someone who's actually done this in front of small audiences, big audiences, real audiences, and virtual ones so something i'll be interested to find out helen is uh, and i guess this is a bit of a how big is a ball of string type question but i mean how much would a keynote speaker be expected to earn at an event oh gosh yeah it's how long is a piece of string it really is it's you know i've i think the biggest keynote speaker in terms of cost wise cost 30 grand and that was for 20 minutes yeah i've heard that before yeah, so that's the most. I've 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 not been lucky enough to have um, paid out more than that. And the least amount of money that I've I've um, spent on a key keynote speaker was seven hundred pounds. I mean, it's still pretty good money for twenty minutes' work. Of course it is. I mean, I'd take it. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> I'd take it. But you know, in terms of in terms of that world, you you are looking at from one end to the next. So I've done seven hundred to thirty grand, and. Um, yeah, where do you fit? Where do you think you fit? It's like being a you know an artist, and you're looking to sell your first piece of work. How much do you how much do you charge? It's a really difficult one to work out. That I mean, I was just thinking that for myself. If I was gonna, if I was turning up, I was. If, if, you, if you were saying to me, Helen, uh, I want you to come and speak at one of my events on I don't know cheese rolling or whatever it might be. How cheese. much do you want to charge? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a big thing, rolling cheese down hills. It's a big thing. Uh, so anyway, if you not that I, I'd be any good at talking about it, but you know, I'm just using it as an example. But if you wanted me to come and talk about that, um, I, I, I wouldn't know how much to charge you for it. It's how much do you feel you're worth, I guess. Uh, is it? And it's, and it's coming, with a, um, coming with an idea of what you think you're worth in your head. I was told this many years ago. I can't remember um, what I was watching or if I was... In, in front of someone who said it, but don't ever go in asking someone how much you're worth. Come with an idea about what you think you're worth. And for a house, I don't know how it works, but whatever's going on in your head, the other person feels that energy. So it doesn't go lower than what it is that you have in your head. But you have to believe that you're worth that amount. Yeah, I guess you've got to you've got to go come in with some confidence and say, yes, I'm worth seven hundred pounds or yes. as much cheese as I can carry home. Or Could something. you talk for twenty <laughs> minutes about cheese? Quite possibly, with a little bit of research, I think you know. Yeah, I I, I mean, I'd, I'd be prepared to give it a go for seven hundred quid. I say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would actually. Um, so to summarise, Helen, do you could you maybe share with us your top three most important qualities? that you feel a keynote speaker needs? Um, top three would be, do you have an interesting story 
journey? Are you a specialist in whatever area it is that I'm asking you about? Mm-hmm. And how do you enjoy, how do you engage with an audience? There's some interesting little things we've learned there, Helen. It's nice to hear it from your perspective, from people who are going to be buying the products that you're selling, albeit, yeah, whether, whether it, which is public speaking, you want to be able to know how much, what you're looking for. So I can't speak. It's too hot. <laughs> My eyeballs are sweating. <laughs> that's, a, that's a unique quality I've never known that happen is that is that real uh, I'm telling you it's real right here surely that's just crying isn't it <laughs> I don't know what's going on <laughs> so we always like to finish off Helen with a set of questions uh, inspired by Inside the Actor Studio which is a US TV show which is great and if you haven't seen it go check it out it's on YouTube uh, but we finish off with these same questions every single week and you never quite know what you're going to get so Helen are you ready for your questions I am I am I am I'll go with the first one then what's your favourite smell me I smell amazing yes I love that answer <laughs> We've never it's a had great that. answer but I have a question you know when you go into someone else's house and it smells different yes but you go into your own house and you don't smell your house smell unless it's last night's curry or something. Yeah. So how do you know what you smell like? Well, the, the reason I know I smell like is because um, I smell me when I go out. But yeah. more importantly, I think I love my smell because I love, I do love me, my smell. But I also love how people love my smell like others external people oh okay and they comment on it you've been complimented on your smell yeah because people will say oh oh i thought i thought you were around because i could smell you (laughs) (laughs) it's not i mean you know when you're when you're meeting someone for the first time you don't expect them to say oh i love your smell i was in the post office the other day and the guy who's who's that who's that oh that smells gorgeous is it you i said yes it's me that's so good and that's not that's not artificial you haven't haven't bunged anything on that's just that's helen au naturel no 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 it's my perfume oh okay i'm sorry right so what's the perfume it's um, Givenchy Amory. Yes, I love that. <laughs> so, all right, so that's the smell you love. Not, not oh, this is what I'm trying to establish is whether it's your natural, your natural Helen aroma or something you've thrown on. It's something I've thrown on, a natural uh, aroma. Okay. I don't, I, yeah, I don't know if I know if I'm ever, ever natural. <laughs> <laughs> this, this conversation's gone a completely different way. I wasn't expecting any of that, to be fair, but good. Love it. <laughs> okay, so if you could go on a dinner date with anyone, dead or alive, They'd be alive when you're having the date. Who would you go on a dinner date with? My dad. Oh, good mm. answer. Strong yeah. answer. Straight out yeah. of the bag. My dad. Don't even need to think about that. My dad. And what would you mm. have? What restaurant would you eat in? Yeah. Yeah, my dad my dad was an amazing cook, so he didn't really like eating out that much because he could be quite fussy. But we'd go to a Greek a Greek restaurant. We'd have lamb and it would be medium rare for both of us. And um we'd have roast potatoes. And some salad. But he probably would pick at the salad and kind of be picking through it and wondering if they washed it enough. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like such a dad thing yeah. to do. Yeah, he'd be like, oh, I don't know if this has been washed enough. Is, you know, is it clean? Did um, he inspect everything and take everything apart to make sure that yeah, it was up to he, standard? Yeah, he'd, because, he'd, you know, he had to even, you know, just in terms of a, a bar, he, he would have, if you'd say to him, do you want to go around 
down to the pub or bar. He was like, why would I? I've got everything in here. And he did. He had a bar in his house. Do you know, I used someone gave me this really top tip about going into a restaurant once. Uh, they said, if you want to get really good service in a restaurant you've never been in before, walk in with a notepad and pen and put it down by the side of your, your, your where you're sitting and they'll think you're a critic. <laughs> That's a good one. I'm going to do that. That's I'm going to actually funny. do that. This weekend, I'm going to do it. It's just occasionally write things down, you know, and you'll got, got amazing service. <laughs> yeah, we're doing that. Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. That's fantastic, Helen. That's been so great. We've learned so much from a different perspective on a subject we've covered already, uh, but uh, an important subject. And I think it's a skill that I think every business owner needs to have at the moment, Claire, don't they? Yeah, it's... There's so much to it, so much to it. And I I do feel that because we're going through this transition of face-to-face and online, people are finding their feet. So to understand what qualities we need is crucial. So if anyone wants to find out a little bit more, Helen, about how you do things, and I know your gig is booking events and putting events on for people. uh, So where can people find you? Um, I'm on Instagram, Blue Enigma and twitter as well actually and i'm in club i'm on clubhouse or they can just email me at helen at blueenigma.co.uk this is the big little business show the podcast with bigger tips for small business do you know there were a few surprises in there things that i didn't expect helen to say about what she looks for when she's booking a keynote speaker and also how she's managed to continue working and putting on events even though there haven't been rooms to fill and audiences to um, speak in front of, real audiences. Yeah, absolutely. I've always thought of keynote speakers as speakers are speakers who deliver to hundreds um, and thousands of people, but a keynote speaker can speak to a a smaller group as well. So that was a really, uh, really big learning curve um, on on my part. Um, And also as well, even when we're talking about online um, speaking, to stand up, I've just automatically just thought, well, you're sitting, you're sitting in front of your computer on Zoom. But I loved what Helen said about actually if the guest presenter or guest speaker or keynote speaker is actually standing up and working the room in a similar way that they would do if you're at a face-to-face event. Yeah, as soon as you stand up, you have so much more energy. And I know from back in the days when I used to do uh, radio for a full-time gig, some stations that I used to work for, they used to have stand-up desks. So you would present your show standing up so all your equipment your cd players and your computers and all those kind of things were all at standing level rather than sitting level and the um, argument for doing that means that you have so much energy you sound more bouncy on air and you deliver in a very different way than if you're sitting down and you're relaxed and your posture changes as well because your your you know your body folds over a little bit more when you're sitting down you don't breathe quite as well so yeah it has lots of different effects yeah, without question, you definitely speak differently to when you're sitting down to standing up. It's just something that I had never, I don't know, I just never thought of. I just think because in Zoom, we just see the waist up. I just thought that was just the way you do it on Zoom. A lot of these bigger conferences have bigger setups as far as AV is concerned. Uh, and they will have like two, maybe three cameras on a speaker at any one time. And there'll be someone live switching between all those different camera angles. So you get a wide shot, you get a close shot. And obviously you don't get any of that on Zoom. Uh, that doesn't mean that because Zoom doesn't work as a platform for doing public speaking or keynote speaking because it does, but it's just another different world. There are so many different facets to it. Yeah, look, and I, I, I feel there's still more to come as well. I think as the world of business changes and people experiment with different aspects of uh, virtual 
networking and speaking I think there's still a lot of change to come but it's interesting to just make sure that we're keeping up to date with actually what qualities are needed in general um, and how we can make sure that we deliver and something else worth thinking about as well as as we're in this virtual world and as Helen said uh, you can talk to someone anywhere in the world very very easily in a visual sense that means it makes it easier for event organizers like Helen to book someone from a different country because Helen doesn't have to pay for their travel as part of that fee. So they could come from somewhere from like America or, or Australia even, um, but they'll be an awful lot cheaper because there are no flights, no hotels, none of that to pay for. Yeah, and also you're more likely to be able to, I, I think, uh, secure people from all over the globe and the world because all what what is maybe a two-hour meeting would otherwise be a four-day commitment to that person with flying in and traveling you they can actually from the comfort of their own home jump on for two hours and you can effectively travel the world in that time yeah so it has its advantages and disadvantages it'll open up the world for you if you're thinking about doing some keynote speaking but at the same time you're going to be competing with a lot of other keynote speakers who are able to uh, drop in on events a lot easier without having any of that sort of traveling to deal with uh, in between Uh, an interesting conversation if you want to continue the conversation you can do so on facebook or instagram Uh, come and find us there and if you have questions to fire our way about this particular topic or any other topic we cover on the podcast then it'll be great to hear from you and that pretty much does it for this week which means we can get out in the sunshine or maybe go and have a cold shower but not together just point that out (laughs) (laughs) i'm just about i'm about to jump in the paddling pool (laughs) (laughs) jump in the paddling pool hope it's a big paddling pool anyway we're all done here what are you trying to say (laughs) damn cheek (laughs) thanks so we're all done here don't forget to come and find us on instagram and facebook and clubhouse and sign up for our newsletter by going to biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk where you get to find out where we are every week and more about all the episodes that we've got coming up in the future. And we're done. Say goodbye, Claire. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Big Little Business Show with Paul Mumford and Claire Horsley. You can subscribe to get the latest episodes via iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn and everywhere you find your favourite podcasts. Come and find us at biglittlebusinessshow.co.uk and we're on Facebook too. Just search for Big Little Business Show.